Let's kick this pig. We have tried for hours to do it, and now we're gonna do this. We were catching up because Ashlyn was away for seven days. It's true. I left for 19 days, and then I came back. 19 days is 7,000 years in pig years. Let's kick this pig. Ah! Sorry, that was terrible. I'm sorry that I did it. It was it's a squeaky so pig. Loud. It's gonna oh be so God. bad. I'm. You just clicked off, and now that you're gone, it's time to tell secrets about you. So, <laughs> I'm Ashlyn. I'm Christina. And this week, we're getting to the heart of our thoughts, feelings, and desires, where we trust we'll find the gospel in our need for it. At least that's we're gonna try our best. But y'all, we're gonna try our best. And that was the squeaky pig, and the sleeping christina's husband in the other room is probably super glad about it perfect the pig is now on the mic and that means that it's time so <laughs> how have you been for the last 19 days christine um i've been good i yeah you know went really snuck up on me i think you went i was on a meeting for this retreat I went on over the weekend. It was like a preparation meeting where they were just giving us some information. Here's a silent retreat because I didn't want to talk a lot when we got there. Ah, nice. <laughs> kind of them. Um, and they were like, um, oh, yeah, and if you have any, like, restrictions or preferences because of Lent, just let us know. Um, and I was like, what? <laughs> and this was like. What's a Lent? It was like the Wednesday before Ash Wednesday. And I was like, I literally turned to it. This was at the Augustine Institute. So it's like literally everybody is a practicing Catholic in the room. And like, it's just that way. Mm-hmm. So I turned to the person next to me and I was like, when does Lent start? And, um, and they're like, everybody <laughs> was like, next Wednesday. And I went, oh my. <laughs> and I said, everyone. Lent starts next Wednesday. <laughs> and they were like, thank you, Christine. They were like, this is embarrassing for you. <laughs> you were like, I'm okay. Yeah, it was fine. Um, but it was silly. So, yeah, Lent started, and I went on a retreat, and it was sick. So good. Because, yeah, I was, you know, just falling apart a little bit. Um, and uh, But I wanted God to fix me. So a lot of times, if you are that way, that's what God does. He said, get up and walk. Yeah. He was like, Christine, I can see that you are having some problems regarding following me. And I was like, that's true. Mm-hmm. He was like, why don't we find out why that is? And I was like, okay. Mm. Uh, and uh, we had, we got a start, oh, which was cool. That gave me some chills. I would like to give a shout out to anyone from... Northern Michigan University or University of Wisconsin at Oshkosh listening to this. Oshkosh? Because you guys are the only secret people that know about my secret podcast. So don't tell unless you want to. And you're the ones that found out. (laughs) You're the ones that found out about it. And so... Wait, did they look it up? Did they just come across it? How did well, they find out? I just kind of was like, oh, I have a podcast. Okay, well, that makes more sense because... But I wasn't like, but you hey, said, by the like, way. They found out. They found... Well, because they <laughs> made me tell them. <laughs> I don't understand. I, it just came up in conversation, okay. but I don't usually bring it up because it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. self-promoting. No, which I do, like, but don't it, ever It became like a meme a couple years ago for like people to be like, I have a podcast. And I was like, well, that's rude. 
Why does everybody else have to? <laughs> can't, can't, can't we just all decide that we're the ones that get a podcast? Yeah. You know? Um, and then, you know, it's like, I want people to listen to it. And then when they might, I'm like, like, how dare do you? I sound like an idiot on all these things? I know. Right. And, <laughs> and it was just kind of funny because at Christina, your wedding, um, when a lot of your friends and family were like, oh, you're from the podcast. I was like, wow, her friends support her so much more than mine do. And then I Wait. was like, she probably tells her friends. <laughs> and I will say, I didn't mean to get into this because it sounds complaining. <laughs> Wait, which but, friends? Oh, it's just like all of them. They were like, oh, you're Ashlyn from the podcast. And I was like, I am. Well, remember you met a bunch of them and they were like, well, whatever. Never mind. <laughs> so all I had to say, it was a good time. And then Welcome. What I'm trying to say is more than anything, if you're new here, this is one of the first times you're listening to a new episode of A Place Within. Thanks. Welcome. Nice to have you here. So um, good. Yep. Yeah. I'm super, super grateful for the grace of a retreat in your life, my sister. Amen. And yeah, I, I think that this Lent is going to be a big one because... The Lord is in charge and he desires our souls. He wants to draw us to himself. And I believe that and I love to talk about it, but then there are just like parts of my heart that are like everyone else except for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so I think that there are things that hopefully one day will come out on the podcast, but are still like new in our hearts, but Yeah. yeah, are good and real. Um, we were just kind of unpacking and sitting in together uh, yeah. instead of recording for most of this night that we got together to record. Yeah. So. That is true. Ash and Christina, just like you, not sure what's going on in need of prayer. Very much so. And with that, any other hobbies that you have these days? <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Well, now that you mention it, um, I have been... Re-listening to the Harry Potter audiobooks, which are free to stream at harrypotteraudiobooks.club or something like that. (laughs) I don't actually know what the website is, but it's like Harry Potter Audiobooks Club with a dot in a funny place. (laughs) They're like, thanks, guys. You can listen to either Stephen Fry or Jim Dale. I was telling Ashlyn earlier today that I had to turn Jim Dale off, and I'm usually a pretty big Jim Dale stan. These are the two guys who have harry potter audiobook recordings um usually a pretty big jim dale stand but um his umbrage is so accurate that i had to i had to turn it off what makes an umbrage accurate it's syrupy sweet condescending Mm -hmm. high-pitched uncomfortable to listen to (laughs) like (laughs) incites hatred (laughs) and you're just like this is too painful. Yeah, it's like lots of addiction. Mm. Um, fake. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, I'm so. That's a good question. Being like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if, <laughs> I do love diction, but mostly with singing and not so much. <laughs> Have you ever been to a Catholic women's talk? Just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just. No, um, <laughs> I have to. Oh, the be, waveforms just got huge. I have to be nasty sometimes. Just kidding, I don't. But um, that was just a that was just a facetious comment. Everyone, 
if you needed an example of a facetious comment, that was one of them. It's not based in reality. So, oh, just like Harry Potter. Good. Okay. So now that we have established that, I have to give a bit of a Harry Potter testimony here. Okay. So y'all, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I acted like a child. I reasoned like a child. That was what St. Paul said about being a child. When I, Ashlyn, was a child, um, my sister found these books called Harry Potter one time at Target. And she was like, Mom, I've heard that these are good. We should get them. And I, woof, this just got a little too real. I'm realizing more and more how much I just want to oppose my siblings and things. So whoops okay you happen to be the middle child would you (laughs) so back to the the subject at hand um and more to pray with later um, (laughs) i um was like no that's probably dumb and then she got the books from our aunt and uncle for christmas and I was like, well, can I borrow them and read them too? And she was like, no, these are mine, stupid. And I was like, honestly, I knew that I deserved it because I was not nice to her about wanting to read them. I said mean things just so I, because I could, you know? Anyway, so then back to Harry Potter. <laughs> um, my dad went out and bought me a copy of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, uh, the soft cover one. My sisters were hardback. Mine was a soft cover one. And I decided from that day that I prefer soft cover books because this one was mine. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was in second grade and so the size of print and probably the reading level of that was a little difficult for me but I was going over to some family friend's house to get babysat while my parents went on a date that night and my dad got me a present just for me and it was the most special thing ever and it was my favorite thing and um and I just remember reading the first page over and over again and not understanding why it said thank you very much because it's the the dursleys of number four privet drive were perfectly respectable people thank you very much and i just didn't understand the tone at all because i was seven and the print was so small yeah, it that needs to be read aloud to a child that age. the print was so small that i kept reading the same line over and over again because i just couldn't track and so later on that night i said to my mom why does it say thank you very much and she explained exactly what Aww. you just explained to me and so i was like hey can you read this to me and she did and it was so fun and i was just wrapped up in a story in a way that i never had been and so we start to read the second one but at this point i had grown a lot as a reader because wow the little plasticity of those little child brains um yeah so i was kind of ready to start reading these on my own you had been read a novel above your grade level allowed to you good job that's how children learn to read write that down (laughs) (laughs) from the two childless women right now we know. I'm a professional educator it's true, from the Archdiocese are. of Los Angeles. <laughs> Breathing heavy. Flashbacks to <laughs> professional developments. Go on. And so with that, then I started reading these books off the charts. My my monthly reading logs, they accelerated at like 600% yes, oh rate. I had to get the books confiscated from me by my teachers that by my dad yeah 2000s oh for, for teachers, sure i'm sure i was like not paying attention to school because i was like listen the triwizard tournament is <laughs> it's, it's spicy and, and i was the, like and it's tough because there's a big books and you're like no yeah, it's yeah. not i uh, don't look at this <laughs> and so i just loved it Nothing i became a harry potter stan before eminem i think even wrote that song about stan Indeed. and i was like this is my ultimate favorite of all time and 
continued to be so for a long time. I think most recently reread them in college. And I love audiobooks these days, but as much as I once, I still do, but like really loved Harry Potter and <laughs> maybe like placed some identity in being a Harry Potter fan. Um, then, oh, and that, wow, lost my train of thought big time. So hopefully this makes sense. And um, love audiobooks. I've just never listened to the audiobooks. So Christina is in an adult reading of Harry Potter that I have never really experienced. I think highly recommend. I have a Harry Potter tattoo. That's something that you may or may not know about me, listener. I just about you. Um, one of the first things. One of the reasons I ever found out about you. I know so well that story about when my dad bought me those books is when I was reflecting after looking at my foot six months after getting that tattoo and going, "Why did I do this?" <laughs> Realizing that there really was an answer, and it was that six months before, when I or probably a year before, when I was meditating premeditating getting the tattoo my dad said that sounds like a really cool idea and so I was like heck yeah I'm doing it and I finally realized I think that I have a Harry Potter tattoo and really loved Harry Potter a because they're really great stories but mostly because I really love my dad beautiful and so once I realized that I think my attachment to Harry Potter waned I'm still interested in it but I think that there's this whole level of Twitter that I'm not on and Pottermore which I found really exciting at first and then a little bit boring and then had a bonding moment about Harry Potter Patronus quiz with a guy that it didn't really work out with. And so I think <laughs> all that has distanced me from Harry Potter. So I'm excited to get back Dang. into it, but I'm not super relevant these days. I actually didn't know that you were feeling kind of distanced from Harry Potter. What I will say, so, okay, first of all, um, you recall that one of our first conversations, or probably our first conversation ever had much to do with Harry Potter. Tell me more. I, I mean, I just remember that that, was, that, that happened. Oh, because I had the tattoo and it was probably the summer. Yeah. Yeah. And nice. then we were like, bah! and then then you had John a shirt Paul, that had my now, tattoo on it. Yeah. And then John Paul, who I'm now married to, and our friend were like, Christina, stop being a church mom. Let's leave. I was like, please, students, like me. Please, like me. And they were like, why, why are we talking to that lady? She works here. <laughs> Because they were sophomore boys. Jokes on you. <laughs> I was a bridesmaid in your wedding. La, 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 la. Um, anyways, but okay. I'm going to respond to your qualms. I also don't do much with Pottermore. The things that are relevant from Pottermore show up on Harry Potter Reddit. <laughs> Which I was like, huh? So tell us more. What is Harry Potter Reddit? Harry Potter Reddit is a wonderful place. You don't have to spend that much time on it. It's, it's more of just like a fun place. Um but it's where people who like expect harry potter to be like a functional story and like love harry potter love to like geek out about it ask questions about it discuss it post art about it make art about it share things that they made or whatever like all those things happen and then um yeah they put a lot of like effort into making it like a special little subreddit Mm -hmm. so that it's like almost feels like a sort of wizarding world kind of place anyways now that said um i think it's like definitely like a weird little niche thing that is unnecessary classic (laughs) internet right um sounds like pottermore without having to wait for the little potions yeah like it's like exactly and and so anyways mostly i go there when i'm like hold on is this a plot hole am i missing something because then it's not going to be like a bunch of like fools 
who are just like, yeah, J.K. Rowling doesn't know what she's talking about. She's transphobic. <laughs> I mean, they might do that, but like, <laughs> but they'll they still have respect for the story okay. as opposed to like other discussions where it's just like I don't know what she's talking about. Whatever. So, anyways, um, that's kind of my main purpose for it is to like get information. Regardless, the Twitter stuff. I think if like yeah, it can be kind of fun to hear what J.K. Rowling was thinking mm-hmm. beforehand, but like. Yeah, I think it's all secondary to the stories themselves. Right. All of it. Um, and, like, the, yeah, the Reddick stuff, even the Pottermore stuff, like, the whole function is to, like, well, I guess the Pottermore stuff is to extend the world, but the Reddick stuff and all of these things is to kind of, like, organize the mm-hmm. world and to determine, like, to analyze it as, like, almost as, as literature, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, at least that's the way that, that it functions in my life, um, which is what i am bringing to the table today Mm. i got back into harry potter i mean i'm always into harry potter um every like couple of years i do another reading whether it's a paper reading which i think i did after college maybe or maybe right before my senior year of college and then since then i've been doing like every two years audiobooks and um a lot comes out in an adult reading Mm. just so much i do remember the first time reading the fifth book after having been 15 bro i was like it's so funny she nailed it you know i know isn't that so special and she nails all of the ages Mm -hmm. for harry it's so cute i mean and it's funny how i don't know i think that the female characters are definitely like rendered a little bit bizarrely sometimes um that might be partially because it's all from a male perspective it also Mm. might just be (laughs) jk rowling being a little funny but um um either way like she nails Harry from age 11 to age 17 mm-hmm. and like him and Ron actually like just nails them from age like 13 to 16 you're like wow these are teenage boys mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even know what else to do I listened to I think yesterday Harry's date with Cho Chang <laughs> and I was just like wow like as a child I was kind of like why is she crying like they're on a date they're supposed to be having fun it's valentine's day oh no like why can't they just have fun on their date Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then yeah obviously as an adult you you read what oh my gosh guys sorry this is a major spoilers episode if you're not a harry potter fan if you have not read okay if you're not a harry potter fan you should listen to this if you're if you but you sorry if you're not a harry potter fan but you have read the books you should listen if you are not a harry potter fan and you have not read the books but you have watched the movies don't listen because it's different i've been a snobby girl (laughs) my whole life but um i really would consider myself a fan of the books and not so much the movies um so i love and i realized kind of even hearing your reflections on it and realizing how much discussion goes on that I think I learned an incredible amount from the stories themselves. Um, and I really appreciate the way that the story is told, the way the characters are crafted, the way that the motives are like pretty consistent throughout. Even if you come to learn more and more about um, who these characters are, you know, something, mm-hmm. yeah, man, just the fact that it's told in the third person, but you really only ever know what the protagonist knows Yeah, about the situation is pretty wonderful. Um and I think some big takeaways is that like good teachers or people that I like looked up to most probably in my life still can make dis- make mistakes 
Mm-hmm. Um, and bad people have histories, I think, yeah. were some of my main takeaways. But I think I was always more of a sucker for like the trivia of it all, like knowing facts about the books because that made me feel smart, you know? <laughs> so um, no I'm really excited to hear your reflections about deeper aspects of the books. Um, yeah. Take it away. What are some wow, things Wow, wait, have we about? really never done this? Yeah. That is so funny. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well then let me just, I'll start with something like oddly specific. As like an example. Okay. So I think that there are very many things throughout the like plot elements throughout the story or like things that you see in Harry's imagination Mm. aren't, I don't know, his like way of operating that are very much applicable to, um, I don't know, they sort of function as, uh, what's the word? Like cautionary tales. Mm. I mean, so many things, but like little, almost like, um, I don't know what the best word to use is. Yeah, like little story elements that happen in particular parts um, that do these things in a particular way. So one example, again, folks, spoilers, turn it off if you don't know the story. Um, The whole like Order of the Phoenix, Department of Mysteries, having the dreams, etc. So if you need a refresher, Harry keeps on having these dreams about this like dark corridor and he, in American speak, hallway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um, and he remembers that it's a, um, eventually he starts to realize there's the Department of Mysteries, which is this very mysterious place, the, the um, Ministry of Magic. And um, he doesn't know why he's having these dreams, but it's a recurring dream. And there's a door at the end of the hallway, and he wants to get through the door in the dream. Um, and then one time he has this dream and he sees a man at the end of the hallway and he becomes in the dream a snake and the snake attacks the man and he realizes that the dream was it like a premonition of something real that had happened um reports it to people who he knows will believe him mm-hmm. and they find out that it was real so at this point he discovers or they discover for him and inform him inform him that he's having um like insights into Voldemort's um imagination or in his mind um and so he starts getting these lessons in how to like close his mind harry is really bad at occlumency which is that practice of closing his mind and like on like a first reading of it you're kind of like oh yeah well that seems really hard Mm. yeah like seems and it it does (laughs) um for sure um seems like a difficult thing to do but as you like like reading it carefully, I think probably on a first reading as well, especially as a mature person with like thinking about like Ignatian discernment of spirits and like the spiritual life, like mm-hmm. these kinds of things. It's kind of like there's like a little bit more at play here. And not to say that J.K. Rowling was like thinking about that or anything, no, right. um, but she's thinking about the human condition, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Harry does not want to stop having these dreams. He like really doesn't. He d- And it doesn't say outright like no, I don't want to practice occlumency because I don't want to stop having these dreams. Mm-hmm. But he's disappointed whenever he wakes up and he didn't, mm-hmm. like, get through the door, you know? Right. And it's not, like, a fleeting thing. It's, like, he remains disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just, like, feels guilty that he knows that other people are going to know that that he didn't practice, mm-hmm. you know? It's not this thing of, like... Like, he never thinks consciously. Rarely does he think consciously. Whenever I have these dreams, 
it's like there could be something sinister going on. Mm. Voldemort could be getting into my head. I could be getting into Voldemort's head. And this could end up having really bad consequences. Mm-hmm. It's just this like um, unhealthy curiosity. Mm. Um, which then plays out further in the same story, the same book, when he feels the need um, to uh, go and like watch Snape's memories. Remember that? Like, mm-hmm. um, and it's like the same exact impulse where it's mm-hmm. like literally just, it, she describes it obviously as like curiosity that wells up in him. And then he's like, he knows that, that this is like an insane rash thing to do. And what makes him decide to do it is that he remembers all the things that made him angry like 15 minutes ago. Mm. And then he's like, whatever, I'm just going to do it. And it's like, so anyways, all of this kind of like, to me, is demonstrative of um, sort of like that lesson, like you were talking about, Mm. like the way that any literature, good literature, will have like a sort of like true Mm -hmm. theme, you know. And one of them in here is um, how this unhealthy curiosity leads to... um, I mean, I think the thing with, like, the Snape thing is, like, less evil. But, like, yeah, with his dreams and, like, not wanting to close his mind to, it, like, the Harry Potter world's version of the evil one, mm-hmm. you know? He doesn't want to turn his back on him, really, mm. you know? And he has been informed that this is what's going on, mm-hmm. and he chooses otherwise. Right. Um, yeah, I think that that's, like, a pretty applicable... Um, like plot element and I don't think that's the only one um where you can kind of see like a spiritual parallel Mm, right well I think that you know I'm always I'm always quick to find an excuse for things but what I see a lot in that situation is that Harry for his entire life has been trying to do the right thing since he knew that that was possible for him to do um but always feels like an outsider in his own life in his own story that like ever since book one Hagrid busts into the hut on the rock and tells him that you're a wizard Harry um you know the movie is a lot more quotable um everyone has known more about him than he's known about himself mm-hmm. and so the opportunity yeah and people don't want to tell him things because they're trying to protect him he doesn't trust that you know he's mm-hmm. not he's been cared for but he doesn't have a huge awareness of mm-hmm. the fact that he's been cared for mm-hmm. Um, because he's also suffered a lot and Mm -hmm. been really alone, you know, and that's a complicated situation for anyone to be in. But I see that like, he's trying to discover these things because he's desirous of having information about his own self and his own heart that he thinks that everyone else is allowed to be privy to. And he's not Mm -hmm. right. And so I think that you make a great point that when you're instructed to do something by people that you trust, you ought to do it, you know? Um, but the motivation to do the opposite is like fueled by anger and immaturity, mm-hmm. but also connected to this real confusion that's unaddressed in this person. Mm-hmm. So, so you think that he, in this situation, thinks that the whole thing is like, like they say that this is like this like link between his mind and Voldemort's mind, and it's like dangerous. And you think that he thinks. Maybe it's not that link. No, I think he's just desirous to finally be the one that knows the information rather than everyone else knowing the information about him, you know? And so I think that he can even like consent to the fact that they're, they're probably right. You know, it is dangerous. He Mm -hmm. does have concern. He wants to protect other people. 
Um, yeah. But just even the conversation or the ability to voice his own frustrations of, I feel like everyone knows about my life. Yeah. And I don't get to know anything about it. Comes up with some trusted mentors, but most of the time it's just unaddressed. Right. Because he's talking to his peers and they don't know either, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, yeah. No, I but think... I'm really good at making excuses for things. No, no, no. But I think that that's, the, the, that's what's really powerful. I mean, because it's like, it is applicable to like everybody's experience, right? Because like at the end of the day, you have a reason for doing these things you know mm-hmm. um yeah without getting into it like you and I were just talking about like the spiritual realities that like we're experiencing and like you know I think that we tend to get these the sort of thought of like oh yeah well that's just sin and I just suck and like I don't know if there's an element of truth in that but like at the end of the day like the the root of that is like there's something very yeah, there's something that has to be addressed there. A, a priest mm-hmm. in confession was just saying to me the other day, he was like, yeah, okay, so your your heart in general, if this is your whole heart, all of this, like, loves Jesus and, like, wants to follow him. But this little part, mm-hmm. like, literally, like, really doesn't, like, like, really doesn't trust at all. <laughs> and, like, mm-hmm. and just, be, you know, that, that like, literally does have to be addressed. And we know that, mm-hmm. but I think that we... Um, like gloss over it pretty mm-hmm. easily um so like those motivations I think are significant mm. um yeah but, yeah but at the end of the day it would have been really harmful for the adults in Harry's life to over sympathize with the difficulty that he has right there because more people than just him were at stake you mm-hmm. know more than just his understanding or his his difficulty with himself like there's some really dangerous stuff going down that yeah. if he does know or he does continue to pursue it or they let him in on everything that they're thinking about they're making everyone else vulnerable so well yeah. yeah i mean at the end of the day though they also like they really don't i think that this is so funny like i look at like 90s english wizarding culture <laughs> as in the culture of the wizarding world that we see in harry Mm -hmm. potter Um, (laughs) and it's like there is a lot of like yeah there's a lot of glossing over things and like why are we talking about this if we don't have to like if this isn't pertinent then we don't have to talk about this you know Mm -hmm. um and i think that that is like a little bit of Mm -hmm. where harry's frustration comes from and he doesn't necessarily understand like he he understands that he's annoyed but Mm -hmm. he doesn't understand that like there's a reason to be annoyed Mm -hmm. um because yeah like whoops like if you if you have a a 15 year old who's been through significant trauma and is now clearly like playing a role in an evil person's like game plan Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you're just like okay I have to tell you what to do now and um so I think that he's trying to get into your mind so this is what we're gonna do Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you're like I already told you I already told you what's going on he's trying to get in your mind Whose voice is this? Uh, like, who, any, all the people who are, like, trying to, like, like fix this problem. The Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> all the British adults. <laughs> um, right? And I feel like, I mean, we're not English, so we don't really know. But I get the sense that this, we want to do something. We want to do the right thing. We don't really want to talk about the complicated parts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is kind of a part of the culture that the author is commenting on yeah uh but i think that's just a part of i mean it's 
probably fairly American as well. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. a little bit more British, I think, but. Yeah. Um, no, it's funny because <laughs> you see it. I mean, obviously you see it all over the place, but it's like as soon as like Harry starts getting like, <clears throat> to use another British phrase, his neck is in a twist. <laughs> he like, about anything, it's like he like will vent about something. And I don't know, maybe J.K. Rowling is like rendering it as him like being angry and telling all his friends that he's angry at them. But like in my interpret the way I interpret it and the way like if you were to come to me and be like everyone's lying about me and the daily prophet I would be like oh my gosh that's so annoying Ashlyn you know what I mean but all of his friends are like I know Harry I know like if you can go and count how many times anyways sorry so it's just like yeah there's this sort of like recurring like sort of strange way that they all interact with each other <laughs> they're all just like somebody's pretty culturally insensitive <laughs> They're like, why are you telling me this thing that's upsetting you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, hmm. <laughs> People have gotten more apathetic. Part of your problem, guys. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it's so funny. I mean, you talk about like <laughs> 90s English wizarding culture. And I'm like, yeah, I thought it was so fascinating. And again, with the trivia of like, I know the answer. <laughs> um, when you realize that it is kind of set in time. There are years mm-hmm. you can see it because you just kind of, I mean, it's, it's imaginary, right? Right. And so the fact for imaginary things to be a little bit timeless, mm-hmm. I think is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, it's almost like the other side of the sword where I was like, Oh yeah, I like knowing this information of where this is set. And I was like, I don't really want to think about that that much because this is like not actually <clears throat> anything that I mean, the deeper themes and then the relationships are very relatable. Right. Mm -hmm. But like (coughs) to imagine, imagine what the author is thinking about this particular time Mm -hmm. in this particular place that I don't really know anything about. And I also doesn't exist because this is fiction, you know? Um, I don't know if I'm making any sense here, but I think that part of what has started to irk me about the fandom of it all is that it's just like trying to make real something that never was real. And so there's a great exploration of the themes that I think that you do. But it's like when people start talking about like canon and consistency, I was like, it was always a story, right? So stories don't have to be consistent to be good. Yeah, but the best ones usually are. I mean, I, I don't know about the best one, but e- actually, I think it's, I mean, it's not like inconsistent, but the fact that like not everything makes sense, like people getting really upset about trying to find out why they have plumbing. It's like the point wasn't for this to be like an infallible world because it's fake. It's fiction. But the whole reason for building a world is to draw the reader outside of themselves to be able to help them identify something that's even more true Mm -hmm. than just the the logistics of it. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, but I think that that's a little bit, that's like going outside of like setting it in a place and time that does affect the culture of the people. Right. Um, Fair. cause I think when people, yeah, go and, and like, cause that, that takes it outside of what's relevant to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I do think it would be, I think that would be a fun thing for like Pottermore to do, mm-hmm. to be like, oh yeah, like let's work out how these things could work. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't really like care about that that much, but at the end of the day, some stories, are purposely set in a completely imaginary world, like the Lord of the Rings. And even that, you get things like the Cimmerillion mm-hmm. that go and add a bunch of lore to something that is fiction. But like mm-hmm. he, like that whole lore has, excuse me, that whole fictional trilogy 
has its own creation story to Mm -hmm. go along with it you know like I feel like that's even more of like a stepping outside of its realm you know to like create religion to go along with it that people can then enter into you know but I do think that Tolkien's intent there was a little bit more conscious of I want people to see reality through this lens of fiction um, because it makes it more possible for them to do so I mean I think his thought on that is so beautiful and so true and influential and so when people who don't have a clear imaginative vision for their own life you know Mm -hmm. are I guess their imaginative vision is trying to work out the logistics Mm -hmm. of um it must matter about the plumbing or the lineage or something like that well um the lineages are actually yeah relevant but you know like lineages outside of the actual theme or the actual story Mm-hmm. Um, being kind of idle pursuits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think yeah. that's that's a good way of putting it. Definitely idle pursuits. Um, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I think so. What do you think? Truthfully, Ashlyn, I like until we started this podcast, I like legitimately did not know that you, <laughs> you like didn't like. I don't know that you <laughs> that, I betrayed my roots. Well, I just like I don't know. I. <laughs> I don't have anything against it. I think I just like it. And it's not even that I lost interest in the parts that were ever interesting to me. I think that I just got a little bit frustrated by probably in all honesty, the way that the fandom was criticized. And so I wanted to distance myself from it, but also <laughs> vanity. Um, I just kind of was like, I- I'm not, super interested in the details of this conversation you know like the conversation that i saw happening and i just i I don't i don't know i was never on reddit i probably would have liked it had i known about it i just didn't know you know um and so well for me though like reddit is like literally just a supplement to rereading the books it's like if it's something that i've like forgot about or like a detail that i'm like oh i wonder about this you know like what it is is rereading it and then like hearing things that i didn't hear before you know and i think i'm like asked the question of trusted my trusted spiritual director really um of like do you think that there's anything wrong with this and he was like no so you know mm-hmm. like it's not like a i think that harry potter is bad um and i still find it interesting i just think that i ex- i think about it less than i used to no i know it's just, <laughs> just like hardly ever okay um so but i like hearing your thoughts about it tell us more Okay, so I think that one of the most powerful um, characters, and this is kind of agreed upon for a lot, with a lot of people, the most powerful characters throughout the series, by the end of the series, I suppose I should say, would be Snape. Do you agree? Yeah. <laughs> so when you get to the point where you're like, oh, I have some sympathy for Snape, and then you see that there's like a lot of sympathy for Snape, and then you go back and read the first two, and you're like, mm-hmm. he's i know i know you know um is so mysterious and exactly and important to consider yeah so like um i think okay so severus snape as we know is like the meanest teacher who ever lived He's other so than mean. dolores Umbridge, who's Poor also neville. the meanest I teacher i think neville would still say it's snape <laughs> yeah that's true um yeah, he's just like a mean guy 
who should not have been allowed near children. And also, like, that's another weird wizarding culture thing. Like, why, like, what are, what are Dumbledore's values as, as an educator? Like, I could not possibly tell you. He, I think, <laughs> I think that this educational system is pretty different than what we grew up on. That, right? Exactly. And so it's, so it's like, what more, are his values as an educator? I don't know. More so probably, like, the tenure and credential of the professors and that they were like published you know which, which well, of your high well, school severus, teachers were... severus taught for 14 years so he started when he was 20 <laughs> immediately after he finished close, being right? a death eater yeah literally dumbledore was and like i just i just need you to stand here <laughs> which educator did you ever work with which was such a political figure the way that Dumbledore was and had the kind of power within the culture that he did. Literally, I mean, yeah. the head so, warlock of the wizard government. Right. So Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry p- replaces college. It doesn't exist. So yeah. right, this like educational institution that people That's are true. at from the time of eleven to seventeen is much more like a university. That's a great point. <laughs> Developmentally questionable. Um, they were a lot harder than we are. Yeah, we're so soft. Yeah. Um, I mean, were I guess uh, they were. They kind yeah. they were. They like definitely. They don't walk out and they they don't feel like. Although okay, it's so funny. They were about to. I was thinking about this today, because there's a moment. This is such a random detail, where Filch is like, "Well, they're about to put out another educational decree, and then I'll be able to string students up by their heels." And you're like, I just wonder, like, are there at this point in their culture? Like, are there points where, are the parents going to come and, like, take their kids away? Like, do they care about these ministry things? Or, like, are they just kind of like, yeah, that sounds about right. Well, it's (laughs) so interesting because, like, as then the media starts to get involved in the goings-on at the school, then parents do start to get involved. But there is kind of this, like, out of sight, out of mind, we all went here, we trust it. Um, Which probably would be a lot more relatable had we come from like a prep school background yeah so funny um but also i think it's really interesting that filch is so that person that kind of (laughs) sees what he wants to see so partly i think that it's a critique on like these policies that are never revisited because there's just this like trust of the institution because it's so steeped in a shared tradition right um but also that filch is the kind of character that yeah will say that the thing that he hopes is happening is inevitably happening mm-hmm. well the thing that, yeah when it really isn't based in reality at all they're not going to put out an education no they were it. they at this point in the story because when oh, umbridge became the okay. yeah when umbridge became the headmistress right. they were like literally about to it was like that was the degree like i don't know it's just so bizarre anyways <laughs> So, <laughs> but then even in American education, where it's like, yeah, if something comes out and parents hear about it, and there are several people, you know, mm-hmm. there's like this strength in numbers of let's like go be yeah. pissed about this. It does happen where there are plenty of things that they're just not aware of, yeah, exactly happening that they probably wouldn't like or yeah. would like if they were paying attention. Sorry, so that was funny. really critical, but anyways, so okay, so all of that is to say, Snape has some unusual educational practices. Um, by our standards um okay so he's like a mean dude in the first couple of books and he like looks at harry potter immediately hates him and harry's like that's weird 
<laughs> he's like, he must I'm be Voldemort. <laughs> he's like, I'm 11. <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally. And everybody's like, hey, um, I think there's some weird stuff going on at Hogwarts. I think maybe Voldemort's involved. Also, Snape. It was him. <laughs> Which the fact that you can just jump to conclusions and assume the worst of the person that's meanest to you. Oh, so relatable. And These no. are the nuggets of gold where you're like, yes, you get, you get it, JK. You I know. JK. <laughs> right. JK. Um, so anyhow. Okay. So what's special about Snape is not that he's so mean, but it kind of is because, okay, you hang around with him for a while and... You're like, he's so annoying. And eventually you hear talk that Dumbledore like really trusts him. And um, I, doesn't he say, yeah, like Dumbledore really trusts him and he's done like important things mm-hmm. for, you know, the good side and blah, blah, blah. And so everybody's like, okay, but then why is he such a jerk? And also why does he love all the Slytherins so much? Which like, that's kind of mean that all the Slytherins have to be so evil but they don't seem to be bothered by it so maybe it's fine <laughs> well and in the books you see that there are some just more neutral Slytherins they just don't have time to write them into the movies it's true I mean well wait who are the more neutral Slytherins Blazabini he's like neutral like when you say neutral Slytherin it's like yeah neutral the way that the Slytherins were written as in they're like <laughs> no one can trust a Slytherin because you still can't trust Blazabini right because they're ambitious and looking out for themselves right right and so then there is a crop of them that are all like death eater children yeah but a lot of the other ones are just personalities that are self-furthering promoting you know and probably come from that sort of background so it's a value that is more opposed Mm -hmm. to the protagonist's value but i don't think that they're all like written as evil but i think that in the seventh they're sent away when like um when the school is like okay Harry's here and we're fighting Voldemort now. The Slytherins are like are like sent away. Well, I think that's kind of a commentary on the Maybe they're not all lack sent away, of, but I think so. Well, I think so, yeah. But I think that in the seventh book, like the strategies have become so severe because fear is yeah. so overwhelming. You're just like, we don't know who right? we can trust. Exactly. And so um I don't think that that's necessarily like celebrated as a good thing. I think it's like another data point in how tragic and difficult the situation has become Mm -hmm. yeah okay sweet so yeah so then what becomes the first sort of moment where you like snape's ambiguity starts to come up um first of all you realize that he was truly was a death eater in the fourth um well first you find out that he was trying to protect harry during the quidditch match where they thought that he was trying to curse him and get him off yeah and you're like that's weird i mean as the reader, you're like, that's not that weird. He's your teacher. And you're like, I'm an American oh. child. And that's what <laughs> teachers do. <laughs> no, I was like, hmm, why did he do that? Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, and then, yeah, so basically, okay, so basically he's like kind of got this motive of protecting Harry. He's also got this thing going on of like, he used to be a Death Eater, but now for some reason Dumbledore trusts him. And the kids are like, I don't know about all that. Um, and that he ends up working for the Order of the Phoenix and the kids are still like, I don't know about that, but that he's basically an informant um, and he's like able to lie to Voldemort, which nobody can do. Um, Harry finds out that he was severely bullied 
by James Potter. Harry's dead. Yes. If you didn't know that, you probably were supposed to not be listening to this anymore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know. How does Harry react to that? I don't. I haven't gotten to oh, that part in my real lesson. Just so confused because yeah. he has this idealized version of his father. He and really how can does. you blame him? He never knew the guy and it's his yeah. father, right? It was so, probably best. Right. It was definitely best. <laughs> and so then there's this like kind of loss of innocence that goes on yeah. in his heart where he actually has been mistreated by this person. Yeah. And he starts to understand that, like, in the third book, when Snape mm-hmm. is trying to stop Professor Lupin, who Harry loves, and Sirius Black, who he's very confused about, mm-hmm. right, um, they're also gridlocked. So he's like, you always try to oppose the people that I care about. We are enemies, mm-hmm. right? And then he's like, oh, these people were terrible to you, and you're taking it out on me, and that's not fair. And that's also happening when he's 15 when that clearly isn't fair but Mm -hmm. also nothing in his life feels fair Mm -hmm. because he's a raging hormone Mm -hmm. literally and the things really aren't that fair Mm -hmm. yeah so he um but as a reader at least you start to realize that um snape has been projecting this hatred of harry's father onto harry um and not only did harry or did um james bully snape Harry's mother with kind of a lot of contempt for his for for James um condemned him for bullying Snape and like protecting Snape so there's this like kind of strange relationship between the three of them and you eventually find out that Snape and Lily his mother were like best friends um James was really jealous of that and um and Snape was an easy target because he was hard to like because he wasn't happy because he was from a really broken home yeah and um yeah so then when lily ends up like kind of getting over her contempt for james falling in love with him marrying him (gasps) choosing the guy oh poor snape snape is a guy too (laughs) i know but the girl that you love chooses the guy that is the biggest jerk i know it's the worst oh it feels so bad i know i kind of like it's it's such a i this is one of the things i love about harry potter what a confusing situation to put the reader in Mm -hmm. like do you want like retroactively for lily and james to be a couple like (laughs) and then when you are then like trying to live in this world where the people that hurt you and bully you will only ever be bad people and you get an opportunity you might not take it you might not be ready for it to say like actually the high school bully could become a good person mm-hmm. you know and that james was a bully and a hero right right exactly and that's the that's what's really we were talking i mean we just made a quick comment about it right before we started that there's like a little bit of like virtue in the Harry Potter world is a little bit like virtue and like the Roman empire and like the stories of, from that era where you have like these heroes with like huge flaws, but like very heroic mm-hmm. virtues in addition to really huge flaws. I think you can see James Potter in that, that way. And actually like well, a little King Davidy too. You know? Yeah, that's true. Well, but like King David almost in the reverse where it's like a lot of nastiness. And then like, like we don't actually see James Potter like, we don't hear the stories of his great virtue other than, like, the night he died. Right. But then when you hear the way that his friends talk about him, I, guess I think so. it's pretty consistent throughout. Um, the way that the people who knew him as adult love him and celebrate the way that Harry looks like him and reminds him of them, them of him. 
I would say that maybe like he is a hero, and then we find out in the fifth or sixth book that he was a bully. We didn't know that, right? but he was. But and it, we're but shocked. It's like, Harry's it's just shocked. not a lot of like he was seventeen, like up until the time he was a teenager, and then I mean, I guess what this is what we always forget is that well, this war was like a big freaking deal, and war like brings something out of people. Well, yeah, but like he was the Quidditch captain and a prefect. He was also really well liked, and eh, Snape no. was also like really hard to deal with and a lot of people didn't like him you know and so i think that like kind of the social situation isn't just all or nothing with james potter wait what do you well yeah but i think that like like if you wanted to talk about like draco malfoy he would be well liked if people were talking like if if you wanted to like like if you if, if you were just hearing from his friends it's like he was a prefect and he was well liked no i think that the way that like crab and goyle would talk about draco malfoy is not the way that lupin and Sirius Black talk about James Potter. They don't have the same kind of brotherhood and camaraderie. They're like, we were his lackeys and he protected us. You know? Like, yeah. his father was rich and powerful and our fathers told us that we had to be friends with him. What I'm saying is that we don't actually have... Because, like... But you see Sirius also being, like, a jerk. What you see from Remus is, like, I was in a really nasty situation. Not like I was in a nasty... But, yeah. And they were, like, super loyal to me. Yeah, they were brothers. But he's, like, not proud at all of the way that they treated Snape. Yeah, but these four guys were, like, a total squad, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and they made all of these cool things together. They were really smart. You know, they were innovative and had fun and loyalty. Yeah, royalty, so that's sort know? of, like, what what makes me say that they wouldn't be, like... Like, they love him so much. Like, it to me, it doesn't say that he was more of a hero because, like, they couldn't have possibly been such good friends if he wasn't, like, mostly virtuous. It's like... They were super loyal to him, and they love him. They also know that he's a jerk, like, or that he was a jerk until the war, you know? Mm. I don't know. Like, I'm just saying that we don't have the stories to support. Like, yeah, we have the way that that he's spoken about, and we have particular stories about his behavior. Um, And, like, I think you're right that the way that he's spoken about is something that we really do need to take into account. But he's spoken about that by people who are like deeply loyal to him because that that's part of their personalities. But I think that that at the end of the day, like James Potter chose the right side in the mm-hmm. war and then like acted accordingly mm-hmm. because he like man, he grew up. Yeah, I mean I think that he grew into himself, but I think he was pretty well liked by everyone but Snape prior to that. But don't you think that was like a poor judgment on a lot of people's part? You see somebody treating somebody that like like I don't think this was like a one-time thing. Like they preyed on Right, and I think that that was probably like more private. You know, even... You think it was private that he was preying on Snape? No. Yeah, the fact that Snape was a social pariah. So, yes, it was a poor judgment, for sure. But I do think that that doesn't necessarily... Like, that poor judgment collectively, culturally, of the student body thinking that Snape sucked. And so they were like, we get why James does that. I see. You know, and we still think he's the man. And the other things that he did that were academic accomplishments, athletic accomplishments, were actually admirable and still helping him grow in this hypothetical virtue. Didn't didn't think that I would really be defending mm, James Potter. No, I like have like a because I like really no when I like think about people who like and maybe it's like ha- having taught middle school. Mm-hmm. I see like the popular successful kid preying on the one that nobody likes. I'm like, uh uh-uh. uh, like you BS, like BS. This is like that is your like what you have just shown. Mm-hmm. This is your character because mm-hmm. this it's power move. It's like. It's so deep-rooted mm-hmm. when people behave that way. Mm-hmm. When we behave that way, mm-hmm. 
it's so deep and you can tell like when not you like you you but like me if ever I have like these moments of like let me say something nasty about that person behind their back it's like ooh, that's that's my lack of integrity coming out there and if I like had the gall to go and do that in in front of a bunch of people to get laughs like what really what does that say about me and I should not be surprised if it says something significant well it it is significant but I think that it's a like it can't be isolated right it's an integrated part of the person but you're kind of comment that like war brings the best out of people it does but it can't bring it from nothing right Mm -hmm. it can't bring someone from like a total life of vice into a a heroic life of virtue it can help them go from mediocre to great but yeah i think that like growth in virtue even in trying times has to be built upon something well yeah but i think that this gets into like kind of what like what i would say that's being built upon is something that like Augustine talks about in City of God. <laughs> He's like, it's so random. No, it's what we say that we do here. <laughs> um, where it's like this desire for glory that doesn't necessarily have to be evil because, like, the desire to be esteemed can also be like a desire. I don't know if I'm like characterizing this correctly, so whatever. Um, <laughs> the desire to be like esteemed by God, the desire to be, um, just like the desire to be literally good Mm -hmm. um but that it quickly turns into this like lust for power Mm -hmm. um and i think that with james you can see the kind of like mix between his Mm -hmm. like um yeah desire to be well liked on like kind of like a basic level Mm -hmm. and then his desire for like power um well i think big data point here is like lily evans uh isn't an idiot Mm mm-hmm and falls for this guy as teenagers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, I mean, I do think that the messiness that J.K. Rowling is willing to write into these characters yeah. is admirable. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just this idea that, like, he was a cad, and then there was a war, and then he became better, and then he died, you know, is one that I don't necessarily agree with, but... I think your point about Snape is probably even better than this very long (laughs) discussion about James. (laughs) Um, Well, I think that the James and the James question is also a powerful. Yeah, for sure. Um, But we don't have quite enough information to go off of with him. I always said that when she gave us Cursed Child, like, I was like, what the heck? What we all needed was a series about, like... The pre-war uh, era, okay. I kind of loved Christian. Unpopular opinion. <laughs> that is an unpopular. It opinion. was really unpopular. I thought it was super fun, and <laughs> I also think probably my favorite thing that happened during COVID quarantine was reading it out loud with my roommates. Oh, that is fun. It got really weird when there were definitely too many characters for the four of us to tackle, and so <laughs> somebody was. Harry and Ron and somebody else was Hermione and Ginny and then it got yeah Hermione (laughs) and Ginny and then it got really weird when they were a scene together and they were the only four characters (laughs) (laughs) and so then they had to talk to themselves it was super weird anyway um okay so anyhow the whole like Snape thing because basically he ends up like choosing um the the wrong thing (laughs) um when when it all comes down to it when the war um, breaks out and um and that's 
bad. Um, and then not only that, like, okay, so then he changes his mind when he finds that they're going to go after Lily because that's all he cares about in the world. And that's, you know, not great. Yeah. <laughs> we can agree about that. <laughs> you can't put it all on one person. Um, and, um, okay, so he does that. But it's like that could be his one inroad into mm-hmm. like oh, yeah, goodness sure. and love. You Absolutely. know what I mean? So it's like in it like in a certain sense it is, but like in another sense, I don't know. And then like Voldemort kills him anyways. Uh or kills James and Lily anyways and tries to kill the kid. So when that happens, Snape goes back to Dumbledore, changes sides, the whole thing. Okay. Um and he ends up being like a big protector for Harry. But big deal. He projects James onto Harry from the moment that he sees him. Mm-hmm. It's just like all of his trauma, including like not just to say being bullied as a child. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like losing his loved one, his loved one marrying the guy who was mean to him, mm-hmm. <laughs> like him choosing the wrong thing, like giving his life over to evil, you know, like mm-hmm. everything that was wrong about his life, like hits him in the face when he sees Harry Potter looking like James Potter with Lily's eyes <laughs> and he's just like I hate you because like like yeah I think it's kind of like, like like you said like having given his life over to like this habit of vice um that's what like has power there mm. so like rather than seeing Lily's eyes and saying like this is a person who I can care for like to honor the memory of the person who I loved most and like kind of to love her still it's like this is the person that i will hate to continue hating the person i hate the most (laughs) well and it's just so interesting because it is such truly an inner conflict because he does actually protect him because he does want to protect her yeah you know but he wants to hate him so he can feel like he finally yeah it's like his emotion it's crazy it's funny because he has this divided it's not divided will really it's like just his emotions and his will Mm -hmm. are are against each other well and then like unacknowledged is his just absolute meanness and just like Mm -hmm. destruction of poor little neville because (laughs) neville's an easy target and when you've been the easy target then you want Mm. to feel powerful and put on the easy target but also because it could have been neville and neville's parents that were the chosen one and the ones that got killed Mm. i never thought of that you haven't no And so he's so mean to Neville because he wishes that it would have been Neville and not Harry. Oh my gosh. That's intense. Snape. Yeah. Wow. And that's like a bold thing to write in. And I think that's in the text. You didn't mm-hmm. just come up with that. That's that's right there in the text. Oh, yeah. That's there. Um, that's a That's a bold thing to write. A person who has that kind of like... So, th- and that's kind of what makes people call him an incel. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah but i think that we want to allow him to have a little bit more humanity um i think we want to allow incels to have a little more humanity too (laughs) um to say like yeah there's at the end of the day with snape especially like i don't know he's like not seeking anybody's approval really (laughs) you know like he's not really looking for anything um i mean that's not really true he's looking for to feel power um feel powerful in his role um through like tormenting little people without actually like hurting them physically um which is like what james did and Mm -hmm. that was 
bad, very bad. Um, at the end of the day, though, the last thing that he says when he's dying, because Voldemort used him up, you know, um, and he was still trying to like work both sides, obviously, or not really work both sides. He's still trying to work the good side. Um, but in the last moment, Voldemort still trusted him and used him up and needed him to be dead. So he killed him. Um, in that last moment, he sees Harry and he's like, for the, everybody's been saying you have your mother's eyes and, but Snape doesn't say that. And then finally Snape says that to him. And it's sort of this like little moment of redemption where it's like, you think back to the first moment where he met him and he's like, you're just like your father who now, you know, he hated. So it's like, you're just like your father whom I hate, um, rather than you look like your mother who I love. Um, in this last moment, it's like, you look like your mother who I love. Um, and sort of like in this moment where he's faced with his mortality, mm. he, I wonder if you can kind of read that moment. Maybe this is reading too much into it. What if you can kind of read that moment as like a letting go of all the petty BS? Um, For sure. Um, not just with Harry, but just like in general. Yeah. Um, where it's like, I don't have to be this dude anymore. Right. Like, well, to say that like, this is the last thing that I will have ever done and it was heroic. Like, yeah. I can, I can be that. Yeah. Conflict resolved, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I think something that's coming out to me and just exploring like these people's characters and all these things, there's so much that we don't know that we don't need to because it's a story, which is good. It is good that it's a story and there's so much that we can learn from it. All that to say, um, there will be questions that will always be unanswered. At least I hope so. Um, looking at you, JK Rowling, Twitter. Um, like if you're going to give us more, right. Books about things that are interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just don't just be grateful for the great story. I, that no, you I don't us. mind. I don't mind her writing more, but like write it, put the work in I and make it good. Sometimes it's okay to say it's over. Yeah, okay. but it's not. I mean, <laughs> why not? Because there's a whole like backstory that wasn't but written. But there's real lives that people can apply the lessons to. You know, so like is... we don't say that about Tolkien. We don't say that about all kinds yeah. Of Tolkien finished, and then he's... yeah, but no, he he added in hot like not just... sorry, he wrote whatever one he wrote I'm first, the... but then he wrote the other one. Yeah, that's still all the things in the Cimmerillion and the other stuff. I think her collective work, seven books, is pretty substantial. I also think that. What I'm trying to say is what I'm just really grateful that, I mean, I would have liked to see how Tolkien responded to Twitter, but I think that there's just too quick of audience to author interplay and that's not helpful. Okay. What I'm really trying to say is something that really comes forth for me in these stories is how true it is that the, the family is the building block of society and people's coping mechanisms are so linked to their family of origin and their perception of their family of origin and that Snape can die heroic death. He can figure it out, but it's going to be so, so hard for him because like he's a child of an abusive and complicated relationship, you know, and Harry who is an orphan, but who does know that his parents died because they love him responds so differently, you know? And then Dumbledore, who's incredible and wonderful and noble and definitely my favorite character in things that you never really find out but are hinted at of struggles with his siblings, you know, like mm-hmm. leave this shame in his heart mm-hmm. um, that he can't be honest with people that he loves because he's trying to protect that, yeah. you know. And so, and, you know, the Catholic family of Harry Potter, the Weasleys, um, 
there is shame about poverty and having less, but there is a connectedness in the family unit. And so some of the children can deal with that and some have to distance themselves because, yeah, it's just so, so interesting to see the ways that mm-hmm. people's family is something that for the most part, even with minor characters, you get to hear about Seamus Finnegan's mom, you know, mm-hmm. um, and the way that that impacts the decisions that they make. I think this is a great literary example of that truth. Yeah. I just learned that there's a, you're, you might hate this. I don't know. Apparently there was a, it's called a ghost plot where it's like mm. it was written in but then taken out because oh. it was considered unnecessary but there's a little like leftover clue in it where there's a part in the seventh that talks about dean thomas looking for his dad mm. um but there was like a whole plot about it um how he like went on a quest to find his dad dang dean he's half blood um we don't know that's what he wanted oh. to find out was whether his dad was a muggle or a wizard with that, that is a lot of thoughts about Harry Potter. Yeah. That was fun. Good. Glad you feel that way. I knew you were underselling your... Like, because the, the way you were talking about yourself, like, it was as if, like, you wouldn't have any thematic, like... <laughs> no, I... All the knowledge is there. My reader retention has been impressing people since the second grade. I just... <laughs> it's true. It's just true. Um... I care about these things. I think that I get frustrated with the way the discussion is had. And so I'm like, I, I'd rather talk about something else a lot of the time. But I've had fun. Okay. And it's fun to talk about why I like it and not just try to prove to people how much I know about it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, that's the... I, I think, a, a, like, that. this is my, my thought about Harry Potter. I think these things need to be... Find your parameters of what's going on, you know? Mm-hmm. Twitter is not where you reveal your canon, okay? It just isn't. And, like, trivia is not what happens in in a conversation. If you want Harry Potter trivia, let's have a Harry Potter trivia night. Not you. I I still have the Harry Potter trivia game that I had since I was, like, I in fourth grade Harry or so. I think Harry Potter trivia And I think like I have them fun. memorized. I think, I think Harry it's Potter... It's not fair. Well, I think that we could, like, have... Find some, like, advanced Harry Potter trivia, and that would be a lot of fun. My dad and I went to town one time, probably in, like, 2006 or so. Sweet. Okay. But, like, like define the terms, you know? Because, like, when people are just like, oh, yeah, like, let's talk about Harry Potter. Did you know that? And you're just like, hmm. Or let's go to Twitter and talk about this random thing that no one cares about. It's just like, no. Like, define what's going on, guys. Let's go to Harry Potter Reddit for an example. all you redditors enjoy that enjoy it i mean it i'm not saying that sarcastically i love that you have that use it well (laughs) just says use it well but please please try to take those themes and understand what is true about them amen not just trying to figure out logistically what happened because that's that's finite is what i'm trying to say it's fine that it's finite because the way that a truth that you can see more clearly and vibrantly through Harry Potter is meant for your real life, not just that world. Your real life is real and that world is fake. That's all I'm saying. It's true. Okay. Well, this is a long boy. Are we going to talk about soul explosions or are we going to just let her be? I feel like I, I'm good. <laughs> I have to say, this is not a soul explosion, but I was trying to doodle 
And then I tried to write Harry Potter, but then I put too many O's. <laughs> Harry Poo. <laughs> and that's that. It's like the the Weasley's um, fireworks. Poo. Um, when I was in college at Colorado State University, our concert hall was called Griffin Concert Hall. So my friend and I decided to throw a Harry Potter birthday on July 31st outside the Griffin doors. <laughs> And we made all these Harry Potter snacks and invited people and had them take sorting quizzes and then gave them little ties that we made of their house colors. You, you were annoyed by yourself. No, that was so fun. And then all of a sudden, it was, everyone was like, that's Chugi. Look at this. I don't know. I just was what? like, <laughs> Chugi happened a lot later, but it was like. They thought Harry Potter millennial, was Chugi? Well, Millennial Phantoms just got really like I mean, Harry Potter aggressive. really is, I guess, Chugi, but whatever. And I think my my interest just diversified. I don't think that it's like, I don't like that anymore because it's not cool. I think I was just like, anyway, we'll have this conversation <laughs> offline. You guys are great. Thanks for being here. Pray for us. Bye. <laughs>